What's going on, everyone? It's another fun and exciting episode of CamCast. It's Cam here. Uh, I got a really fun topic we're going to be talking about today. It's one of my, I guess it's one of the, you know, the the most important movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we'll be getting to that in a little bit. Uh, before we start the uh, the episode, I wanted to talk about some positive news that happened uh, for the channel and for myself today. Uh, over the last week and a half, roughly two weeks, I've been uh, trying to become a writer for Sideline Sources. Uh, I had to submit a couple of pieces, had to give some information and, you know, uh, write some decent stuff in order to get chosen. Uh, and today I was chosen, which is, I think it's, for me, it's pretty cool. Uh, so for those that don't know, Sideline Sources is a, it's an online uh, website where they have a lot of different sports mediums, a lot of different sports articles and stuff like that. They have a wider range, uh, wider audience on Instagram. Uh, typically you're going to be seeing a lot of like firsthand notifications in terms of NBA trades and NBA free agency. They're really quick on stuff like that. Uh, their following on Instagram is actually pretty large. They have about a million followers and I'm now one of their part-time writers, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, sports writing and writing in general has always been something that I've really loved when it's topics that I actually, you know, give a shit about, which is sports, which is movies. But in this case, I'll be writing mostly sports. I'm sure they'll there'll be avenues for me to write movies on the site as well because they uh, write about movies because they, you know, they have a whole culture section and culture to me is, is movies and TV shows. So I'm really excited what that can do for the channel and what that can do for me going forward. Um, as it is a passion project, it's something I've always wanted to do. And, you know, it's always about getting that first step out there, putting yourself out there, which is always a little bit scary. But I mean, I put myself out there with this podcast and I'm, I'm having a good time with it. So I'm hoping to have a good time with this uh, this next venture that I'm going on here with CamCast. So it's 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 all good things. It's, it's super positive. I'm really excited uh, to be able to check out that article. Actually, I, the article that I, I wrote, is, it published today and it was featured on their story on Instagram. It's called How Bruce Arians Criticism Can Lead to the Buccaneers Shortcomings. Basically, it's a short piece, you know, maybe four to five minute read about how Bruce Arians, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, his his gruff personality and how he is basically uh, verbally attacking his players might, you know, affect the way that they that they play and could potentially harm a, a Super Bowl contender. Uh, I think it's an interesting piece. I think it's a good piece. Obviously, you know, the website thought it was good enough to put it up there as their featured uh, article today. So I thought that was pretty cool. I wanted to share that information with you guys. Uh, I, in order to, to, to read it, you can go ahead and go to my Instagram. That's at cam.cast. And, uh, the art, it's, if you go under my link tree, it's in one of the the links within the link tree. It is the sideline sources writers page, which is going to be my personal page for everything that I write for sideline sources. Uh, right now it just has the one article and I plan to get another one up there maybe in about a week, but uh, it's just something I'm going to be doing on the side, uh, just to see what, just to see what happens, you know, see where it can take me, what, uh, where I can go with it. Um, like I said, it's it's just a passion of mine that I've never fully explored to the fullest, so I'm I'm really interested to see how that goes. Um, let me know your guys' thoughts if you're able to to catch the order, uh, to catch the article, to catch you know, you know anything else that's going on in there. It's it's I'm obviously you can tell I'm pretty excited because I am. It's it's for me it's it's very cool. It's the first time I've, I've followed through on one of the things I've really wanted to follow through besides, you know, doing CamCast. So it's a big deal. Um, but today's podcast is going to be a fun one. I know I had promised doing Catch Me If You Can, the movie talk on Catch Me If You Can. But this past weekend, I rewatched The Avengers. Just like I just started watching it, you know, it was on Disney Plus, pulled it up, started watching it. And I finished it and now I got a lot to talk about it. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and get right into it, guys. All right, let's do it.
man, I'm I'm pretty excited to talk about this movie right now, guys. Uh, the Avengers, the movie from 2012 that was basically the end cap for Phase One of the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And man, when this movie came out, actually even before that, in 2011, in my freshman year of college, I remember that the first trailer dropped for this movie, and I think I watched it on repeat for maybe two, three months straight. Uh, I think believe it dropped at the end of November, the beginning of December, and I just kept watching it. I kept it was I was so enamored with the fact that they got all these characters together that were in previous movies. You know, you had Iron Man, you had Black Widow, you had Thor, Captain America, you had Hawkeye, you had you know Nick Fury, you know Agent Coulson, all these people that had already and you know Hulk. You had all these characters that had already existed within their own movies and had their own standalone projects. And you kind of, you know, they're all origin stories for all of them, except for, you know, Hawkeye and Black Widow, you don't really know a lot about, but they were both present in, all, in a few of those movies. But seeing them all, you know, in the first trailer was so, it was mesmerizing. I mean, I remember the, the, the ending scene of that first trailer was legitimately Hulk hulking out in the middle of New York City, and I, I almost lost my mind. You know, I was 18 at the time when I saw that trailer, and I'm 27 now, and I actually rewatched the trailer before doing the pod, and it still, like, holds up, man. It is so freaking awesome how they were able to do, like, there, I'm gonna, there are faults with this movie, and I'll talk about that as the podcast goes on, but there is one thing that this movie cannot be faulted for. It is a pioneer. This movie was a pioneer in ensemble casts and basically telling a story and, and, uh, you know, basically conjoining all these different plot points from all these different movies into one, and then that movie having one cohesive story that still fed into all the different archetypes and all the different characters that all the other movies kind of set up. And that really hadn't ever been done before uh, successfully. I think the only other one that comes close to that would be the original, you know, the Harry Potter, uh, the Harry Potter, the eight movies from Harry Potter. That was the only other film series that was successful throughout its run. And, you know, it was... Harry Potter's were amazing, but Marvel has been able to do something. Now they're at what, 23, 24 movies. And it's still amazing. But seeing all these guys in all these, in these characters and one movie, I remember it just, it blew my mind. And, uh, before we go into a little, you know, any further, I'm going to introduce the key players. It's directed by Joss Whedon stars, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man stars, Chris Evans as Captain America, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye, Tom Hiddleston, Loki. Uh, it's got Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson, Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury. It has Stellan Skarsgård as Dr. Eric Selvig. And the other probably main one would be Colby Smulders as um, Agent Maria Hill from S.H.I.E.L.D. And, I mean, it's a stellar cast. It's There's there's one nitpick with the cast that I'll, I'll be talking about later in the pod. But, man, it's it's just a great cast with a whole bunch of characters you already know a little bit about. So they don't... The movie doesn't waste time trying to tell you what you already know, right? Going into a Marvel movie, you have to understand that it you have to watch every movie before it to really understand what's going on. I mean, you can watch The Avengers and enjoy it for what it is, you know, a fun popcorn flick... But if you're watching the other, you know, Iron Man, uh, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger, you have to watch all those to be able to appreciate the story that's going on in the Avengers. I mean, it is very important. It's 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 crucial. And that's what I have a lot, like a nitpick with a lot of people when they just go into a, a Marvel movie not having watched any of the previous ones. It's like, you don't deserve that. 
You know, that might be a hot, I've told, I know I've told one of my friends at work that before. I'm like, you don't deserve to watch those movies. You have no idea what's happened before. You have no idea the types of trials and tribulations all these characters have gone through. And I feel like you don't deserve to watch that movie. I mean, maybe that's me being a little, a little bit of a fanboy, but I don't really care because I'm a huge Marvel fanboy. I'm not even a little bit of a fanboy. I love Marvel movies. There's something majestic about how they've able to create their they've been able to create this world with all these interlocking parts, all these characters, and the Avengers is the blueprint the blueprint for all of it. I remember seeing this movie. It was at uh, in Ranch Cucamonga at the Victoria Gardens and at the AMC in Victoria Gardens. I went with a few friends. I went with my brother and sister. And at the time, my brother and sister, I think my brother was a freshman in high school and my sister was in eighth grade. And I somehow convinced my mom to allow them to come with me to a Thursday night, midnight showing on a school night. I don't know how I was able to, to swing that. I think that I had gotten them so excited about all these Marvel movies and we marathoned the, you know, the first five Marvel films before the Avengers. I think the, the, in the two weeks before we went to go see this movie that they were all, you know, uh, juiced up to watch this thing. My brother and sister were, and I was excited and I was able to kind of talk my mom into letting them come with me. And then, you know, the movie wound up ending at two thirty or three, and then they wound up going to school the next day, you know, props to them at, at, th- at that young age. I think they were, they were like uh, what, 12 and 13 or 13 and 14, somewhere in there. And they, they wanted to go watch the midnight showing. And that's when Marvel movies were always doing midnight showings. There was a period of time in the beginning where every Marvel movie did midnight showings at, you know, at, at midnight, you know, the Friday before or the, the Thursday before the movies were supposed to come out. It only happened later on where they started doing showings at like 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. because they realized that there was a big market for those early showings because all these fans like me wanted to get into into uh, into those movies early so that way they so that way we wouldn't see any spoilers because to me the most important thing about seeing a marvel movie is all the spoilers that ensue so anytime there's a marvel movie release i'm there the first time i could possibly see it if there's a showing in brea which is about you know 30 minutes from my house and that showing's at 5 p.m but that's the earliest showing that exists you know in my area Guess where I'm going? I'm going to Brea. I'm going to go watch it at 5 p.m. on a Thursday night. Um, and I'm going to enjoy myself. I might uh, leave, you know, ask my boss if I could leave a little bit early from work. And hopefully that's okay. That's typically what I, I got to watch these movies, man. I don't want anything spoiled for me whenever I'm going to see, uh, going to see these, these Marvel movies. And The Avengers wasn't spoiled for me. And, man, it was... I remember the energy within the within the theater before that movie was going on. It was just a whole bunch of positive energy, a bunch of people wearing all the Marvel gear, all the t-shirts, you know. It, it was so much fun because we had never we didn't know what to expect. We expected the movie was going to be a lot of fun. We expected that it, you know, that Iron Man was going to be great and Cap were going was going to be great. We just didn't know what the story was going to the the story we didn't know what type of story was going to be told to the audience and how captivated we are going to be by it and it's a great story i mean it's it's after seeing all the other marvel movies that have come on and after experiencing a lot of the villains that have been put on screen it's a good story but i think that the other avenger stories that you know that are after this one i think are a lot better and i'll when i get to those marvel talks i'll be able to talk more in depth about those but we're doing the avengers today so that's what we're doing Rewatching the movie i mean like it's just man there are just so many scenes where you, you get a nice little moment with each of the characters, basically like, hey, I'm, I'm back. I'm still the same exact character you saw in the previous movie where I was starring in it. And it gives you a little bit more. 
You know, it shows that Iron Man is just like, he's he's the man. To me, okay, I know there's always a, a debate between Captain America and Iron Man, but I am Team Iron Man. I've always been Team Iron Man, and I always will be Team Iron Man. You got to respect Captain America, but there's something... There's something just so fun to watch on screen about Robert Downey Jr. That guy's just talking a million words per minute, right? He's always the... Every time he's on screen, he's the smartest guy on screen. He's the most witty guy on screen. He's the craftiest guy on screen. And it always... It, it, it always... It, it never... it never It's never wrong. Like, it never doesn't make sense for him to be that type of guy. And I love that. Like, there are very few actors that be able to pull that type of thing off. Um, but, man, I... The movie's so good. Like... The last 40 minutes of this movie is just a big battle scene when Loki opens up that portal and all the Chitari and the, the Leviathans come down and they wreak havoc on New York City. And it's just our six heroes basically fighting these guys off with, you know, just as, as, as good as they can for 40 minutes. I mean, Iron Man has his moments where he's fighting everybody. Uh, Hawkeye's on top of a building and he's using his bow and arrow and he's just nailing people down. Black Widow's fighting on the ground. Cap's fighting on the ground. Thor's, you know, doing his hammer, shooting the lightning up into the portal to kind of stop it, to bottleneck the portal. And the Hulk's just smashing, you know. Uh, but it's that part's so much fun. But on the rewatch, there were some, there were, there were more things that I didn't care for that I hadn't really seen before. And this is, of course, because I'm now under the guise of having seen Endgame and Infinity War a million times and watching, you know, the more serious Marvel movies that have come after this one and watching how the, the Russo brothers directed all those movies, directed, you know, Civil War, Winter Soldier, and those are just superior films. They, they're, it's a more well-rounded, it's a, mel, it's a more well-crafted, let me try that again. It is a more well-crafted script and the characters are a lot more fleshed out and they're doing more things that might not in, be in line with, with who their character is, which makes it interesting for the audience. Upon rewatch, there are a lot of instances in... <laughs> excuse me, that was weird. There are a lot of instances in this movie where the script is so campy. Like, and it's Joss Whedon's script. Joss Whedon wrote it. And Joss Whedon, you know, he's well known for his very interesting scripts and the way he writes things in his screenwriting but there are just a lot of moments that aren't serious and they need to be serious there are a lot of weird camera angles that he uses i think i talked about it on the thor podcast there's all these weird like sideways camera angles that are on thor thor has a couple of these too and i wonder if he brought that over specifically because that was done in the original thor movie i'm not sure i didn't do enough research on that but i'm not sure but there, there are definitely some issues with this, with the, uh, with how the characters are interacting. You don't buy some of it. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like organic conversations, especially when we get later on in the MCU, and it's a lot more. You know, these conversations, they, they, the weight of the conversation is just a lot more as you get further on in the MCU, which I guess makes sense, right? It definitely makes sense, but. I, that's that's one of the things that the Avengers is kind of lacking is that those more serious tonal moments that are important for a movie and important for a, you know an overall story arc. The most interesting thing about this movie though was the end credit scene. Okay, the end credit scene it basically is uh, it's it's one of a, a Thanos's hen, henchmen which you learn later on. I don't remember I don't know his name, and he says to challenge them is to court death. And then you see a slow-mo Thanos kind of turning his head and he smiles at the camera. And then we don't see Thanos for 
six more years. We see him in, oh, no, no, that's not true. We see him in Guardians of the Galaxy, but that the penultimate battle between Thanos and the Avengers doesn't happen for six more years. So the MCU and Kevin Feige, the producer who basically, you know, is, is the puppet master for everything that's going on for all these movies, he set up Thanos in Avengers and paid off the main villain for this block of movies for phase one, two, and three, this, this whole block as the main villain of the entire overarching block, which is just phenomenal. The foresight and the wherewithal to be able to direct a story across many different movies and end up exactly where you needed to end up and putting the right pieces within all those movies to get there is, is phenomenal. But the Easter egg at the end of this movie with Thanos was, it, it was a treat and watching it again, it was even more of a treat. Um, but to, to break down the movie a little bit more, I'm going to get into the categories and then, uh, I want you guys to, to listen to the categories and DM me if you have any of your own suggestions in the categories, or if you like any of the, the, the winners that I chose for these categories. All right, we're going to go ahead and get into it now. All right, guys, my favorite part of movie talk is the categories. And we got the same categories that we had the previous movie talk. And if you haven't listened to the previous movie talks, I advise you to go check them out, first of all. But second of all, they're pretty easy to, to, to follow along, and I'll explain them a little bit as we go. So first category is best scene. Now, this movie's kind of broken up into sections as opposed to like some real scenes. So in terms of best scene, the list is kind of small, but I'll go in depth on each one. So first... Uh, option for best scene is the opening scene where Loki infiltrates S.H.I.E.L.D. going through the portal that the Tesseract opened and basically mind controlling both Hawkeye and Dr. Selvig. Um, it's a really cool scene. I remember watching it in the movie uh, theater and like as soon as Loki bursts onto the scene, he takes his scepter and just stabs a couple of guys. We hadn't seen that in the MCU yet. So it was, I remember watching that and it was a little jarring. I was like, man, this guy's like, he's killing some folks. Like Loki's out there killing some dudes. Um, and he does, he kills two guys real quick, like with, you know, stabbing them right in the chest with, uh, with the scepter. And then he, you know, controls Hawkeye and Hawkeye is under mind control for, you know, two thirds of this movie. And then he, uh, mind controls Dr. Eric Selvig because he has knowledge of the Tesseract and he's able to, you know, make the portal work in New York city. But the scene was really good. It was a great opening scene for the movie because it needed to establish Loki as a, as a villain. I mean, we saw him in Thor. He he was more conniving in Thor, but in, in this movie, he was, he was pretty ruthless and he was, you know, it's the reason why Tom Hiddleston is such a great actor. Not the re it's Loki was so good in this movie, which shows that Tom Hiddleston was such a great actor. It's a, it's a great scene. The next scene is, uh, when Hawkeye is trying to infiltrate the helicarrier where the Avengers are and he shoots an arrow, he breaks down, he breaks engine four and then all the chaos that ensues with that. So that whole thing is, it's pretty exciting, right? There's a lot that's going on. Loki's, he's being held captive in the Hellcarrier. Uh, Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk. He winds up hitting Black Widow, knocking her out. Uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye have a fight going on. You have Captain America and Iron Man kind of teaming together after they've just been arguing and trying to fix the fourth engine. And uh, then, you know, after all that's said and done, Loki kills Agent Coulson which winds up being the catalyst for the Avengers, you know, getting over their differences, banding together and winding up, you know, fighting Loki in the final battle, which brings me to my next best scene, the final battle. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, call it now. This is the best scene in the movie. Um, after rewatching the movie, you know, watching the first hour and a half, it's, it's an okay movie. At that point, I'd probably give it a six out of 10, maybe a five out of 10. But this battle scene makes this movie become an 8 or a 9 out of 10. This battle scene is fantastic. 
there's just so much going on in the battle scene. It starts off with Tony Stark, you know, get, having good dialogue with Loki, and it's really good. And Loki throws him off the building. Stark gets his, you know, his his uh, his his suit around him. He goes up to the portal, fights the Tatari as they're coming down, and man, it's just the whole thing is fun to watch. There's just so much going on. You got uh, Black Widow, Hawkeye, and Captain America on the ground. They're fighting the Chitauri there. Thor's in the air fighting everyone. Then all of a sudden, Bruce Banner rolls up in a old-school motorcycle. And then he says, you know, the whole line, I'm always angry. And he turns green as he turns around. And he's about to punch the the, uh, the Leviathan. And he winds up breaking. And then there's just there's so many good scenes within this that it's just, man, I just I love watching it. I remember when I watched in the theaters for the first time. And then every time after that, it's just a blast. There's just so much going on. There's a great tracking shot that tracks Iron Man flying in. He's fighting. He flies down to ground level where he fights with Captain America Black Widow. He flies back up. You know, he helps Hawkeye who's up on a ridge or up on a building. And he's, you know, he's bow and arrowing people. Then he flies over to where Hulk and uh, Thor are. And they're on top of a Leviathan fighting that. And that's followed with uh, Hulk punching Thor just for fun. Like, hey, you're my friend now. I'm going to punch you for fun instead of punching you to kill you like earlier, like, uh, like he was earlier in the movie. But man, there's there's just so many positive things about this scene, and then you know Tony Stark basically w- being willing willing to put his life on the line. And the first time we ever see him do it, when he takes the warhead, the atomic warhead that that mis- the mysterious group sends out to try to vanquish all of New York City. I'll get into that in a little bit. And then he takes it up to the wormhole, and he's in space, and then he falls down, and Hulk catches him. And there's just so much going on in that scene. There's it's it's high octane. There's just a lot going on. I think one of the, my favorite like little moments from that scene is when Captain America he goes on top of the cop car and he's talking to all the cops. He's like, "I need men in these buildings. I need a perimeter across uh, you know 24th Street or whatever it is." And the cops are like, "Why should I listen to you?" And all of a sudden, like these two Chitari drop down and Captain America completely kicks their ass. And then the cops are like, "I need men in these buildings. I need a, a perimeter far back to 24th Street." It's just I don't. That part's always really funny to me. That was probably one of the best written you know lines of dialogue, and it was really needed for the very serious moment that was going on within the battle. But that scene is just, it is so good. I mean, you could watch that scene every single day and not get bored of it. It's one of the top scenes in the MCU in terms of just overall battles. It's up there with uh, the end battle at the airport in Civil War, you know, Winter Soldier's battle, uh, excuse, me, excuse me, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, when they battle in the, in the, in the climax of that movie, uh, the final battle of Infinity War, the final battle of Endgame, they're all in the same, like, you know, same guys. They're still, they're all still there, but that scene, if that scene's not in the movie, it's not nearly as good, and that was the moment that we were all waiting for when we were going to go watch this Avengers movie. We wanted that. We wanted all of our heroes together. We needed it. Oh, I almost forgot the best part of that entire that entire scene. The Avengers Circle. The circle of our heroes that we that was originally showed in the trailer which made me hyped. I remember being in the theater when the Avengers made that circle when they finally band together after Bruce Banner turns green and the theater lit up like even i was clapping you know i was yelling i was hooting and hollering i was i was so excited it was a, it was a big moment i mean it had never been done on screen and that was basically marvel like yeah we managed to pull this off we put six of your favorite heroes in one movie they're all great the movie's great and you know basically kiss our ass dc like good luck fucking following this shit up that's uh, basically what that was and i love it next category is the muy mal award uh, in my day to day life, I tend to th- say things are instead of really bad, I said they're muy mal. So there are three muy mal things in this movie. 
The first movie mall I talked about a little bit earlier in the first half of the pod is the Joss Whedon script. There are a lot of issues with some really campy dialogue within the script. Like, Thor has a line like, You humans are so petty. And tiny. It's, like, it's, I mean, at that point, Thor wasn't really funny, right? Thor got funnier as the MCU's kind of got on, as his characters really evolved, especially since Ragnarok. But at that, at, at that particular moment, that's not something Thor would have ever said. Um... Cap saying, you know, I, I liked it for what it was, but it is kind of campy when he's like, I understood that reference. When they talk about flying monkeys and, you know, him, him saying that basically he knows what Wizard of Oz is. Uh, There's just a lot of moments like that which don't age very well for me, especially seeing how the characters have really evolved as the MCU's gone on. So that's that for me, that's a Mui Mall. Another Mui Mall is the fact that Bruce Banner all of a sudden gains control of the Hulk. I mean, come on, guys. He freaks out in the helicarrier, and he almost kills Black Widow. But then all of a sudden, at the end of the movie, he has a, a grip on it. Like, why wasn't he able to get a grip on the Hulk and the helicarrier? And all of a sudden, like, literally 30 minutes later, well, in the movie, 30 minutes later, in the in the uh, in real life, it was probably around five to six hours later, he has full control of the Hulk, summons him on command, and he's ready to fight. And in the fight, he doesn't try to hurt any, other, any of the other Avengers. So I'm just like... <clears throat> Have you always been able to do that? I mean, I know that they teased that at the end of uh, The Incredible Hulk, the movie with Ed Norton in 2008, that he had gained control of it. But for a brief period of time within this movie, he didn't have control of it. And he gave the audience the assumption that he, he did not have control. Like there, It would have been cool if they maybe would have put a couple different Easter eggs within the framework of this movie to lead up to it. Be like, oh, I believe that. He definitely had control of it this whole time. And, you know, this is why or this is why. But no, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I, I didn't really... I don't think it ages as well. It's a cool moment when he turns green, right? And all but like in slow motion, he's turning from you know Ed, uh, from uh, from Mark Ruffalo into the Hulk. It's a cool moment, but I don't think it works as well. My next movie mall award is this, and I didn't realize this until rewatching it this past weekend. <clears throat> I got to clear the throat for this one. There is a secret agency that ten to fifteen minutes into a battle where aliens are coming down in New York City. Instead of allowing, you know, waiting and seeing what the Avengers can do, they summon a nuclear warhead to completely destroy the island of Manhattan. They were going to kill millions and millions and millions of people on a whim. They're just going to do it. You know, they weren't going to see what the Avengers were going to be able to do. And I just can't believe, like, I don't think that that gets discussed enough. I, I don't think that that was a really good plot point. Why, if this if this secret agency was so willing to send out that warhead, why didn't they try to coordinate with Iron Man? Be like, hey, we're sending a warhead your way. Try to throw it up into the portal and destroy it that way. Why wasn't that a thought? I don't know. It's that and that part never used to bother me, but upon rewatch, like, it was not a good scene. That is not a good part of the movie, and I have issues with it. Um, that being said, I actually think that's the Mui Mall Award winner for this movie is the fact that. And I, I say this because it's in the framework of the movie, so this is more script-related and drives overall pro, uh, overall plot, which makes it a Mui Mall award winner. Literally, this this agency that we don't even hear anything about, we, we see them one more time in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, but they were going to kill millions of people and everybody on Manhattan, including the Avengers, because all these aliens came down instead of letting the Avengers basically handle it, which is what Nick Fury wanted them to do. Um... It just ages really bad because it is it is such a bad plot device. Like, 
yeah, it was cool to see Iron Man go up there and, and throw, but it could have been done a different way. You still could have done it with the help of the secret agency telling uh, Tony Stark that he needed to go do that. But instead, he was doing it to save the people and do it. So he was basically fighting two wars. Fighting a war with the Chitauri and Loki and fighting a war against the Shadow Organization that basically controls the world. So that's my Mui, uh, Mui Mall recipient for this award. The next award is really tough because there's not a lot of you know small characters in this movie. So I'm going to give my my award to a very specific part of this movie that I haven't talked about yet. It is It is the greatest heat check. This is a part where maybe... Typically, like an actor who doesn't have a lot of screen time will just show up and give an amazing, like, you know, four or five minutes of performance and then just, like, be gone. But I think the greatest heat check in this movie was in Germany when Captain America and Loki are fighting and Scarlet, or Scarlet Witch, she's not in the MCU that, and Black Widow is in the Quinjet and basically she's locked on to Loki with her guns. And all of a sudden, like, the PA gets overridden and Shoot to Thrill by ACDC starts playing. And then Iron Man's like, Agent Romanoff. Do you miss me? And then he, you know, comes down. The music's really loud. And I remember being in the theater and like, man, this is like, this is pretty freaking sick. You know, like Iron Man's back and he's, he's, this is the first time him and, and Captain America are interacting for the first time. And it's a really cool scene. It lasts like, you know, 30 seconds, but that scene's really badass. I think it, it might be one of the greatest character intros in any movie that we've seen. It's definitely in the top five. I just think it's really cool. And Iron Man has some really cool character intros in his movies too, but for me, that's the greatest heat check. Next category is the recasting couch. The recasting couch, this one's, it's kind of tough. Um, I've talked about this already before in the Incredible Hulk podcast, so I won't go, go too deep into it. I would have loved to see Edward Norton in this role. I would have loved to see Edward Norton involved in the MCU in some capacity because I love Edward Norton. Mark Ruffalo He's not good in a lot of movies. There is a movie he's really good in, which I will be doing a podcast on in the next couple of weeks. That's Spotlight, which is on Netflix, which you guys should really watch. And he's phenomenal in that movie. I can't stop watching that movie. But anyways, Edward Norton would have been perfect as Bruce Banner. And I think that there was a missed opportunity. Whatever happened between him and the studio, I wish it could have gotten resolved because I'm so upset that we don't have Edward Norton as Bruce Banner in this MCU. Because Edward Norton killed it in The Incredible Hulk. And for me, that's my recasting couch is having Edward Norton be Bruce Banner. The next uh, category is best quote. So there's a lot of really good quotes in this movie. But there are some that are obviously head and shoulders above the other ones. So I'm going to go ahead and read them off right now. Big man in a suit of armor. Take that away. What are you? And then Iron Man responds. Genius, play, uh, genius billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. It's a great line. That's probably one of Joss Whedon's best, you know, contributions to the script is that one line because, yeah, he he might be a man in a suit of armor, but he's so much more than that. And Cap's literally Cap's just an, an amazing dude that happens to have this stuff inside of him that makes him like super strong and basically a superhero. But I it I don't know. I like I like the line because I like Iron Man as I said earlier. So to me, that's a it's a good quote. Next quote is uh, that's my secret cat. I'm always angry when he does his whole mouth thing to the side and all like that. It's a good line. Uh, people say it to this day. I still say it. Me and my friends still say it. So it's an important quote. Um, next best quote is, we're not a team. We're a time bomb. Again, Mark Ruffalo, good quote. And then Iron Man, we have a Hulk. After he does his whole speech with Loki, where they're talking and they're you know discussing basically what's been going on. And he says, we have a Hulk. That's a great line. For me, the best quote in the movie is, uh, that's my secret cat. I'm always angry. It's the quote that I quote the most in my day-to-day -day life. So I think because of that, it has to be the best quote for, so, so it is the best quote.
All right, the second to last category is the facts about production, facts about the movie that I think were kind of interesting. There's always a ton of facts that come out in uh, you know after the fact, but these are some of the ones that I thought were more interesting that maybe you guys might want to know about. The first one is, and sorry, I'm going to be reading off my other screen so that way I don't you know fuck anything up. Edward Norton was not cast as Hulk in The Avengers because Marvel considered Norton not creative enough and that he lacked collaborative spirit that the other Avengers cast had. I don't know what that means. Um, it sounds like Edward Norton wasn't necessarily down to do a bunch of, of movies all at once, like be a part of you know multi-picture deals. And I mean, that kind of echoes something he's done in the past. He's never really done a sequel. He's never been a part of a franchise, so I get it. But stating that he's not creative enough, I don't think makes sense. I mean, he's one of the greatest actors we've seen, definitely one of the greatest actors of this generation. So it's, it's a little disheartening to read that. Uh, another fun fact is, I think m many of you might know this already, actually, if, especially if you're a fan of the Marvel, uh, Marvel movies. Robert Downey Jr. kept food hidden all over the lab set, and apparently nobody could find where it was, so they just let him continue eat, doing it. In the movie, that's his actual food he's offering, and when he was eating, it wasn't scripted. He was just hungry. You know, in, in those scenes in the helicarrier when he's just eating, it looks like blueberries. It, he did that. That was all meta. He was meta acting for that. It fits really well because typically when, I think Brad Pitt does this a lot in his movies. He's always eating on screen. Being able to, there's something about a, a charismatic actor just, you know, snacking on screen while he's telling you something really important. It brings off a lot of confidence. Like, yeah, I'm used to this kind of shit. I'm just going to go ahead and pop these blueberries in my mouth and I'll be just fine. I don't know. Maybe that's me reading a little bit too much into it, but I really like it. Just because, again, everything to do with Iron Man, I'm just 100% on board with. Next interesting fact I was able to find for you guys was, according to Joss Whedon, that man is playing Galaga line was ad-libbed by Robert Downey Jr. and worked so well that Whedon decided to dub it in an image of Galaga on that man's console as the scene's punchline. Um, that's one of the examples of, of the movie being a little too campy sometimes. Um, like, literally, he says that, and then at the end of the scene, they pan to the guy playing Galaga. It kind of doesn't fit in the movie. It was good for a laugh, and it was funny when I watched it in the theater. It's funny when I watched it a few times, but upon rewatch, I don't think it hits as good. I don't think it's as interesting or as, as funny as it was before, and I wish that they had taken that out of the movie. Much like in Endgame when they play Fortnite, I wish they would have gotten that out of the movie because I think it kind of, I, I think it kind of takes away a little bit from from the world that they've created, and I, I don't like it. But uh, I'm just being nitpicky at this point. Uh, next fact: after the theater release of Marvel's The Avengers, shawarma sales in the United States went through the roof. Um, I think it's really funny. It's that shawarma scene was actually done way in the in post production. They. Joss Whedon thought it would be a really fun way for the Avengers to kind of end the movie. And I actually really like that one. I think the shawarma scene is like, it's iconic now. So, I mean, with Joss Whedon, you got your good and your bad. I mean, he did definitely did more good than bad. But this is one of, this is something that's great. I mean, this is like, it's fucking genius. I mean, it's just, you know, the, all the Avengers in a restaurant just eating shawarma. I just think it's really funny. Next interesting fact I was able to find was uh, to, prepare, to prepare for his role of Clint Barton, Jeremy Renner was trained by Olympic archers. I believe it. He looks like he's doing his, like he knows his shit when he's up on top of that building and he's mowing down some Chitari with his bow and arrow. I think it's really cool. And I, I expect nothing less from Jeremy Renner. That's just something that he would definitely do. Um, the guy's an amazing actor and he's super underrated. And it was sad that in this movie he didn't have a lot to do, but I'm glad that in Age of Ultron they gave him more of an arc. And in Infinity War and Endgame and, uh, uh, what was the other movie? And Civil War they gave him a little bit more of an arc because. He needed it because they they underutilized such an amazing actor in this film, 
and he he got the justice he deserved later. Actually, no, he wasn't in Infinity War. That was my bad. He was in Endgame. Well, actually, no, technically he was in Infinity War, but it was at the very end, in the beginning of it. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm fanboying out. I'll go ahead and calm that down a little bit. And the last fact that I wanted to share with you guys that I thought was really interesting was after Thor takes Loki off the Quinjet down onto the mountainside, two large ravens fly by as, as they're talking. In Norse mythology, their father Odin had two ravens, Hugin and Munin, and who would bring Odin information from Midgard. So basically, it's it's a little Easter egg of, yeah, Odin sees what's going on, and he, he's basically everywhere. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know that until I was looking up some of the info. So I thought that was really interesting. If you guys have any facts on the production of uh, the Avengers that you want to share with me, let me know. Hit up the uh, the Instagram, that's cam.cast. Also, on Anchor, you can uh, uh, send me voicemails, and I can reply to them. And at the beginning of next show, I can go ahead and feature those at the beginning of the episode. That way, you know, if, if you guys have anything positive or negative to say, I'll play it, and I'll talk about it because I think that's fun. I, I want to hear everything that you guys throw at me. The last category is who won the movie, okay? Um... It's very easy. It's very simple. I'm not going to get too too deep into it. It's Robert Downey Jr. Okay, Robert Downey Jr. was paid, I think, four times more than the entire cast of the Avengers combined. He is the life force that is the MCU so far. So it's going to be interesting how the MCU uh, MCU goes without him moving forward. You know, as the movies start to come out eventually. But Robert Downey Jr. is just so damn good as Tony Stark to the point where there is literally like. When I'm old and I'm gray and they're still making Marvel movies and they've probably rebooted it a, a few times, I don't want anyone else to ever play Tony Stark. I want them to use LMDs of Tony Stark. For those that don't know, those are life model decoys as associated in the Marvel's comics. Yes, I'm a nerd and I'm cool with that. So just you know, get on board. But uh, everything that Downey does as Iron Man, it just works. You just feel like you know Downey is Tony Stark. Like they're the same person. Which is why it's still you know weird seeing him in day to day life because spoiler in Endgame Tony dies and you know you it, I felt it you know I, you can ask any of my friends that I was at the movie with I I felt it you know I was I was sobbing I really was and seeing RDJ now it's like I feel like you died I feel like part of you like you, I feel like you died and you're not here anymore and we're like looking at it like a ghost but it's uh now nah, he's without him these movies. I think they'd still be good, but he is the heart and soul of these movies. Him and Cap, but mostly him. Well, guys, that is the conclusion of the Avengers Movie Talk podcast. Uh, I want to thank you guys all for listening or for watching whichever platform you're using. Uh, this was a fun one. Uh, I I love doing these Marvel ones, especially when they're good. I think there's only one bad Marvel talk I'm going to have to do in the future. I think it's in two or three mo- um, two or three movies. And that's going to be Thor The Dark World, which I haven't seen in probably four years. So it's going to be interesting on the rewatch if it holds up, if it gets better, if it gets worse. Thor, I know, got a lot worse when I rewatched it a couple weeks ago. This movie, it it declined a little bit for me, but the ending still put it you know way up there. It definitely moved down on my, my Marvel list in terms of my Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, movies list. I think it was in the top five. I'd have to probably put it... I'll, I'll make that list, but I, if I had to guess just off the top of my head, I'd say nine or ten in that range. Um, but it's still still a great time, still a fun movie, and uh, I just love talking about it. Um, you know, guys, if, if you liked what I was talking about here, if you want to get more involved in some of the conversations, please follow on the Instagram. That's cam.cast. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, and comment on any platform you're on. Like I said before, another podcast, I'm trying to push the YouTube right now, trying to make the videos a little bit more watchable for you guys so it's not just my dumbass face that you guys are staring at the whole time. Try to put some visuals on there. 
Um, if you're following in the car on the podcast, you know, the visuals don't matter to you because they don't have visual podcasts. Those are called video or vlogs. But uh, I, you don't need me, I guess, telling you how to live your life. But uh, <laughs> uh, nah, guys, it was, uh, it was a fun time. I appreciate all the love and support I've been getting on the uh, on the podcast and on the channel. And, it, you know, there's, there's a lot more to come. And as I said earlier, please check out my, uh, my article on sideline sources about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And that's all I got for you guys. Uh, peace and love. Thanks.